Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scioli. Special guest in the house, Tom Scioli. Before we dive into today's video, I want to remind everybody that we are going to be on the road a lot in October. Catch us the first week. Uh, when you see this video, it'll be a week from now. October 6th through the 9th, we will be in Columbus for CXC. We will have a panel that Saturday from 4 to 5, so come out and support us there. Baltimore Comic Con, October 28th to the 30th, the end of October. Baltimore Con, a good show for comic book fans. I'm excited to go back to that one. It is where we first started, uh, where we conceived of Cartoonist Kayfabe, so it's kind of cool to get back to that site. And you can find me in Jacksonville October 22nd at their public library for a comic and zine festival. And as we get into uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe-tober, here's a reminder of our prompt list. So do a screen capture there or check out our uh, our social media to get a list of these prompts and share us if you decide to uh, dip in and out of this or if you decide to try to do all 31 of them tag us on Instagram or Twitter wherever you're posting your work and we will try to uh, signal boost some of those but should be a fun month looking forward to the uh, cartoonist kayfabe audience out there we know they're very creative we see a lot of the work that they do so it'll be exciting to dive into that can and i can i mention jacktober uh, another uh, is, it, is it masturbatory <laughs> yeah, of course uh, isn't all comics <laughs> and uh it's it's jack kirby related prompts through the month of october so if you want to double up is that your list tom that yeah i put the list together sweet yeah i saw i saw that posted and uh Man, there's a lot of those out there. And you know what I was thinking with this stuff? Because I can never, I can't do 31 of no. these. But now and then I will do a couple. Is uh, It's all right to dip in and out of these. I, Draw I on the days that you're available. I disagree. You do the kayfabe Tober ones <laughs> and you'll be all right. I, uh... I make sure to do 30, like since I started the Jacktober one, I make sure to always, and I usually end up doing more than 31. Did you guys start the Kayfabe-tober or was that a, a fan that did that or? There were some in the past years. Yeah. We put this, this list this together. List. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we are here to continue our Sandman coverage. Uh, obviously, Neil Gaiman's Sandman seems to be evergreen. Yeah. And uh, maybe bigger now than ever with the recent Netflix series. But uh, you guys have both read this entire series. I have not. Mm -hmm. I've kind of dipped in and out of it over the years. So going through and reading it in order has been uh, has been interesting so far. And I, it makes me want to read more. That's one of those criteria we usually get into with some of the books we look at, especially if it's a longer series. Do you want to read the next one? I do. So, you know, tipping my hat a little bit just to start off. But this is the second volume, and interestingly, this was the first Sandman collection. I read this this week in The Essentials, and yeah. they talk about that uh -huh. in, uh, in the back matter, about how they were trying... Already, they were seeing like some buzz around Sandman whenever it mm -hmm. first comes out, and they were trying to capitalize on it, and they put together the trade paperback, and they went with the second volume, which, pretty bold, you know? Whoever figures that out, like, that seems like something that you would probably have to uh, argue your point to it get that. It makes sense. Open up and and uh, you'll see a Neil Gaiman piece after the Clive Barker intro. I have to take my time just because I love the lettering throughout sure, this. Yeah. This is really attractive. Yeah. I know they've done several of these uh, collections and I think this design probably changes from collection to collection. But uh, I got to say, I really like this and it feels extremely 1990s, which, yeah, for sure. yeah. you know, that's my nostalgia for design. And uh, So this is the Neil Gaiman piece, I believe. Yeah. And uh, what you're seeing in the text here is probably text that was in that original publication. And it is just concisely giving you the information that happens in Preludes and Nocturnes, uh, the first the first collection. And if you had the first printing of Doll's House, it would have the, the death issue. So it would be issue, oh, eight. Yeah. It would be mm -hmm. issue 8 through 16 rather than uh, 9 through 16, which this is. Uh, so, you know, because issue eight was a paradigm shift like that like yeah. a lot of, a lot of a different demographic starts coming to sandman comics thanks to death 
Uh, so why not put that heavy hitter like as a as a starting batter? I just saw an Art collection. Adams death uh, pinup this That's week. Uh, you know, this stuff floats through social media, and it's like uh, Art Adams doing death. I'll take a look at that. There's the, uh, you know, I've never seen him draw, like, somebody that doesn't have the biggest bust, you know what I mean? So, like, Death is a very, you know, gaunt kind of goth character, so I want to see how he tries that that body approach, man. But uh, there's a book called The Sandman Gallery mm -hmm. that has, like, the McFarlane pinup, Jeff Darrow. There's a Jamie Hewlett in there. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Anyhow, man. Uh, yeah, so issues 9 through 16 are what's collected here. Yeah. And, uh... A lot of interesting material, like, like you know, we'll cover it as we go through in order, but there's, um, I think there's a lot to talk about in yeah. this. One of, one of my big takeaways in this is certainly Neil Gaiman does not shy away from mentioning Alan Moore as the guy who literally taught him how to, how to write comic mm -hmm. book scripts. And I see a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, Alan Moore influence through, throughout this book. And it'll become more of a Neil Gaiman thing as, yeah. as he gets more and more comfortable. But this issue... Has a has a kind of a Alan Moore rhythm, in as much as the bottom tier, it's almost like six panel tier, like six panel page type thing. The bottom tier is always our characters out in the desert, um, talking with one another, and then the top two tiers will be the story that's being told, and that's a that's a that's an Alan Moore sort of pacing, mm -hmm. something that I associate with him bringing bringing to comics. Mike Dringenberg and Malcolm Jones III are the artists on most of these issues. I think there's two fill-in issues yeah. uh, with artists. Todd Klein, you've mentioned in the past that how you think he's one of the defining uh, visual voices in Sandman. It's a trinity. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of fill-in issues on lettering, mm -hmm. even. And so when we get to that, we'll, we'll point it out. Um, Robbie Bush, colorist, name I'm not very familiar with, but I like most of the coloring as well. So, you know, like this kind of page to me, I love seeing the sand white and then continuing onto almost negative space in the bottom. Yeah. Works really well for me. And it's very much uh, like a fairy tale. Yeah, like a yeah, folk tale. Yeah, mythology. Mm -hmm. Like, like I think Gaiman's voice is emerging, Ed, as you, yeah. as you say, yeah. or, or his confidence or color level. Teller of stories. Yeah, right. yeah, totally. And I can see how this book gets an audience outside of your traditional uh, mm -hmm. comic book. I don't even want to say superheroes, but just your traditional comic book style of storytelling, this feels different. Well, I, I mean, I was a teenager when I read this stuff. And uh, that was probably the last time I read this stuff. I was still a teenager. So not as versed in like, you know, storytelling or like the comics history and stuff like that. And so a lot of these things I'd read and just assume this is like an actual folk tale. I mean, pr probably, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've heard some like African folk tales uh, that are kind of in this general vicinity, but I think this is, you know, his his original creation. But like you assume you're learning real things about the real world when you're reading this comic. I love this visual. Like <laughs> holding up that piece of glass and distorting your eyeball. And also it's a really great like uh the the flow is really strong. As you mentioned, this bottom tier works uh exceptional. Yeah. And this is kind of a uh it's somewhat self-contained, this first story. Yeah. It is. It is, yeah. And and like when you read it the first time, like when I was a kid and read it, mm -hmm. read it the first time, I was a later teenager. I was like yeah. 18 when I started getting these trades and stuff, but I had a couple, you know, issues here and there. Uh, this one felt like, okay, they just gave you another issue. You know, it's not really a right. part of like the, the yeah, doll's like house proper, yeah. but, but it, but it really, it, it really is yeah, a part of it, in. man, because, because, uh, it has to do with, with desire when you see yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, we do get a kind of a book. Yeah, that, that heart piece. comes back, you know? Yeah. In this first story, it's uh, generations, 
and, and I guess this is set in Africa, this first story. So it's like a father or grandfather telling the story then to the, it's a coming of age in a way, yeah. right? You'll be a man after tonight. We're going to go out in the desert. You're going to find this missing piece. I'm going to tell you a story about it. And we come back now. You're 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 a man in the in the in the tribe. You got your dick tip cut off. <laughs> yeah, right. that's that's in there and, too. And there's uh, and they talk about how there's like a version of this story that women tell to each other. So it's like these two different narratives. Yeah, and uh, it's the story of uh, of Nada, man, or not? Is it? Yeah, Nada. 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 It, we saw her whenever uh, Sandman went to hell to go yeah. retrieve his ruby. Walks past the the jail like one of those demons conveniently. Uh, coincidentally, like walks him past the cell that that Sandman basically uh, forced upon her in the pits of hell. Uh, has a little conversation with her. I love you. Do you forgive me? It's only been ten thousand years. I do not forgive you. Keeps <laughs> rocking. Shows shows that he is a fickle, endless. We'll say because they make note that endless are not gods. Yeah, and this is not a seeing this version of Sandman and falling in love. So mm -hmm. that's such a cool piece yeah. to, to to the comic, man, is uh, having like every kind of culture down to cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of those issues that I've read out of order. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really like about the way this is told too is there's mythology, right? She wakes yeah. up and she's obsessed with him and has like everybody in the city looking for this, uh -huh. this man who passed through uh, to the point that when that's exhausted, she goes into the wildlife and says like, find this guy yeah. like who is this this man and i feel like that's a really cool piece in terms of building mythology how about those for hands yeah. in front of your uh your you know backlit by the fire this also made me think like is there a black and white version of sandman out there yeah that's a good question I, that i do not know the answer there's, there's some nice rendering throughout this there's a story called arab sang and the cranes and like i'm wondering if this is reference like you see um like the story of uh what's it hades and uh which, which actually like ends up in, in the story. But we're seeing like motifs and things that we'll see again. This story reminds me a lot also of Ramadan, that really famous uh, uh, Sandman story, where it's like there was this amazing civilization that was the height of civilization before recorded history, and then it all got washed away, and all we have are these like little tidbits of stories left. And this, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming this uh, city that Nada is the queen of is supposed to be like Ethiopia, because Ethiopia, it's in Greek mythology. It's like this, like golden era, you know, that's talked about of, of Ethiopia, and 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 um, you know that that we can't find like the, you know the remnants of anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's got to be, I think, a blending of that, and we're gonna see later on in this in this collection other another fairy tale that's sort of uh, referenced that there are different versions of this out there. Right. So you do get that mashup of maybe it's based on a real story, or yeah. maybe it's based on a couple stories. And it goes back to that idea of like this is a storytelling book, mm -hmm. and I'm. That was another takeaway I had from reading this is how much this is kind of a, um, at least so far, a series uh, about writing. Yeah, it's it's the perfect like showcase for a writer. And and he's talked about all that stuff like, putting out little seeds here and there. Not a hundred percent sure how they were going to develop, but figuring that they develop and just finding a way that he can tell the widest range of stories. If it was just about some like you know avenger kind of character who fights crime he'd, he'd hit a wall pretty quick but if he makes it it's about dreams it's about stories it's about you know the history of stories he can go anywhere he wants there's one sort of storytelling thing that this page fucks up because we have the retrospect of the, the story that's being told right and then you have captions and it's the voice of the the village elder talking that smack 
and then when it cuts to our guys who are actually talking, these are captions when they should be dialogues. Uh -huh. Word balloons. That's interesting. Do you put that on Todd Klein? I, you know, I was I was wondering, man, like like uh, who 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 would be because I mean I th I think it's clear, you know, you yeah, see all these pieces. Would be, yeah, an, an artistic choice, but actually like an oversight. I'm glad that you pointed out that framing device because it is not something I noticed in the first yeah. my, my read through, sure. and it really, uh, it, I mean, it's very consistent and, and I think flattering. I also like these kind of flourishes. Like, where can you within six panel layout, you know, pretty straightforward layout, different storytelling than I'm used to with say Image Comics or the the guys that would form Image here around 1990. What do you do? You know, like you gotta you gotta find other there ways to make these pages interesting and these panels interesting, and I I think architecture is one of those that we see that that one reminds me of like a Barry Windsor Smith you know there's a few there there are a couple of panels in here that reminded me of Barry Windsor Smith and I don't know visually I think there's a little bit of overlap with some of the Conan mm -hmm. stuff maybe it's because it's yeah. it's an ancient setting this is like a sort of continuation of what we saw in that battle that yeah. Sandman had with that demon where they're playing the game of story where it's like I'll become this well then I'll become this they put know? they put that in the uh, in the series yeah. the Netflix series the, the the battle and it's really cool how they illustrate it because they almost take the form of the animal and you know it's not just like playing the dozens like they take the form and they could hit each other and you see them physically you know Getting a, having tools taken upon themselves as uh, as the game is played, and and there there are some more stakes. What's cool about the Netflix show is that it really is a second opportunity for Neil Gaiman to to revisit the material and create something a little more concise. Knowing that knowing what's out there, then you could start to make other kinds of connections and tighten things up a bit. You know, like, and it's also way more clear to the viewer, you know, yeah. like there is a part of it where I wonder, it's like, you're giving a lot of grace to your reader to keep up. And of course on television, they don't do that yeah, in TV right. very much. I love this line. Whenever they actually consummate their love that night, every living thing that could dream dreamt of love. Mm -hmm. I like that. And you see it re recurring in some ways, you yeah. know, because we're going to see a vortex later in this story where the dreams are now interacting with each other. And you have those moments where something huge happens in the dreaming and it does affect everybody that's, yeah. that's I guess, asleep at that time period. Cool ideas. Yeah, I mean, it does play like that. We're all connected plays out directly into the plot of this whole arc. Yeah. And her city is uh, is destroyed, which is what the glass artifacts yeah. are. This sort of like Emerald City shard. Almost a biblical kind of story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a fall from grace. Or Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, mm -hmm. like a whole civilization yeah. being wiped out. She's dead, and the art style changes That's interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. with, with these sequences. It's, I believe, uh, there's some, some ink wash that yeah. then gets photostatted into black and white line, uh, which is how you achieve... It would be interesting to see the original because, yeah. you know, it's getting kind of... There's a lot of that throughout this comic where there are, like, like the vortex is in pure color and then there are pasted-up panels on top. Yeah, there's a couple of things I was I was staring at going, like, what are we looking at here? Like, I, I thought it might have been, like, a bucket of paint. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Because it's just such an unusual effect. I love it because you think it's pre-digital. Like, they're trying yeah. to work out these effects, you know, on, on, in real materials. And then even, like, Klein's lettering... It's got to be pasted up, I assume, you can or, see or a black line yeah, or something like on a, top. Yeah, you can see a little halo around the sometimes, man. And, and that would probably be, he he does it in black and then inverts it on photocopier or something like that. I think that was a fun, you, yeah. could, do, you could do that on a photocopier. It's been a while. Yeah, Xeroxography. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, paste it up onto the artwork. And, and back in those days, it was real cool because 
that black is just black, so it shouldn't slip, uh, and the white text should stay white. You know, no, no magenta or cyan going underneath the, the letters to fuck it up. The two artists are, um, they're, they're usually credited as like co-artists as opposed to uh, ink or penciler. And I think that's because you do have some back and forth as to who's mm -hmm. doing what, you know, when you get into these washes and some of these effects. And I, I feel like both artists maybe are just like going for various things, trying things, you know, yeah. some experimental qualities. Yeah, for sure. We should, we should breeze through this and, and just yeah, say sure. that, you know, this is, this is the origin of, this is how Nala or Nada gets, gets uh, put in hell. And we see that desire is already sowing seeds to try to try yeah. to trip up a brother right. or or their brother and then the next chapter here's desire so yeah. we sort of saw the effects of desire and now we we get introduced to the actual character yeah it's it's this story where you realize like gaiman is a far hipper kind of kind of city dweller than, than like your average comics writer because he introduced so many concepts to me like i was a kid reading this stuff man and the idea of gender fluidity is in here uh there's there are gay characters like you just didn't see this kind of stuff can we just go back real quick man because there are moments when we get into peter nagel uh kind of artwork like you know that 1980s very print, 80s, prints yeah. and stuff like that uh the cool thing about the desire character is there are panels where you might get like a more masculine chin and then you know the next panel could be way more feminine with you know like a, a a power suit on and the 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 sort of house that desire dwells in that's you know ba based on desire uh i'm, I'm thinking like annie lennox sure. is the reference there yeah yeah a lot of range like you think of this character from even page to page and uh uh gaiman was like a music critic you know prior to this so he's got a bunch of music references in there and this sort of like era of like yeah like bowie and the eurythmics and stuff is pretty fresh he creates his mythology right like here here are the various sigils yeah. of the various endless and, and there's a missing one the the uh what did they call him the destruction yeah but he had like a the, the pariah or the, the absent one or the the uh exile they, they had some name for it. more of your visual uh experimentation too like a photo collage yeah it took a while before, because I'm reading some of this in real time, sure. you know, when I was a kid, and it's like, took a while, like, who is that, that missing one? Who it, is he? You know? it's, 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 it's cool in the show also because you don't, like, you see death, like, once, uh, maybe two times in, in various episodes, and you still haven't seen, we haven't seen Delirium. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you only get, like, a quick glimpse at Despair. I don't think Destiny, Destiny. showed up. Introduction of Rose. One yes. of the prominent characters here is she's flying to England with her mother to uh, meet her grandmother. She's yes. got American barbarian hair. Yeah, she does. <laughs> is that is that the, the I guess <laughs> paste up. I mean, not paste up, but uh, certain yeah, light some box. Photo rep, yeah, some some light box. Looks great. And then you flip it. You flip it. You know what I mean? So that. Uh, oh man. <laughs> you can use That's the same photo. Wally Woodian yes. kind of thing, right? Flip it re-ink it and uh now you got a new drawing you got a monthly book to make and sure. and these guys neil gaiman said mike dringenberg could have just been the sandman artist he just could not make those deadlines and we, and we have these various issues that have uh uh you know guest artists playing with form a little yeah, bit layout forces you to turn it sideways and now you're in the dream world exactly a little right. cockeyed and it's another this is a this is another alan moore stroke that i was talking about yeah. uh we saw last saw this whenever abby uh, Arcane 
eats that little tuber off of uh, Sandman, uh, yeah, sure. uh, the back of swamp, swamp Thing, and then she starts to have her psychedelic trip, and it eases you yeah. into it just this way. It's when you read this stuff that you you uh, realize how silly the um, McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, X-Men, Spider-Man thing was, because, like, this is... <laughs> these guys are easing you into turning the page... Tur like, turning the book, and you might not, not even completely be conscious that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you just end up with the book like this, and uh, those guys are like, you know, we want it this way because it's different and looks cool. Yeah, Far different concerns. Let me tell you, that is not the the first time you realize those those books are silly. <laughs> not, yeah, not the only uh, not so the only we're silly still, trigger. We're still sideways. We're gonna be sideways until we're you know jarred out of our dream state. This is some big universe building too, yeah. as we have. Uh, is it Kane or Abel? Is is accounting for that's the endless? A, that's solution. The the uh... it, it, it is tough because he does does have the haircut. Of, right. Of uh, but but doing an accounting of the endless and and basically you know not rebuilding but establishing or showing us a little bit of Sandman's world. It's a census, and and these are the dreams that are accounted for eleven thousand. But guess what? There's four that are missing, and kind of like Preludes and Nocturnes, where where uh, Morpheus had to go on a quest for, you know, three objects. Uh, you are now in a book where he is on a quest to ca recapture four nightmares. Yeah. Or, dr or dreams, we'll Cause, say. Because he's still not in his full power yet. Yeah. You know, he's still building up. you got to have, like, a place to go. He eventually gets in his full power and then kind of goes in the background a little bit. Love these giant uh, background elements. And here's your... Brute and Glob. Yeah, and Kirby characters. They're Kirby. I mean, I learned about them here yeah. first, and then when I found out they were Kirby's, and seeing how like goofy and cheerful and huge smile the Kirby version is, it's pretty great. On the TV show, they're the biggest change. Uh, it's a single, it's a single entity, and the uh, sort of um, arc of the entity who takes the place of Brute and Glob is, it's it's one of the it's really beautiful. Uh, it's it's a character that um is a nightmare was created to be a nightmare but she when morpheus wasn't looking pushed against that yeah. and found that little boy jed jed yeah uh, found that little boy and like gave him some comfort through dreams like like mm -hmm. she's a nightmare she's supposed to be a nightmare but when she saw this kid in such dire conditions she wanted to inspire mm -hmm. and then she gets rebuilt as a uh as a dream, and it's 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 a it's a really sweet arc on on the on the show. And this is our this is the layout of what we're going to cover in Doll's House. Yes, the, yeah. the four missing Arcana. Um, you mentioned the first two. Then it's the Corinthian and Fiddler's Green. Fiddler's Green. Yeah. So those are going to be the the kind of the story that's covered here. Yeah, yeah. And he gives a little personality to each, where it's like, okay, these guys are goofs. Like the Corinthian, oh, that could be bad for humanity. <laughs> and then Fiddler's Green, hey, how why would he betray me? He's always been, you know, like on the up and up. Uh, when you create a character like this in issue nine of a comic and you have a visual like that, if you had it to do over again, I bet you would introduce that fucker in issue one. And yeah, that's what sure. they do on a TV show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's an arc for, for the whole season. It's like we gotta recapture the Corinthian. It's the reason why Morpheus leaves his realm to try and, and, and allows himself to be weakened enough to get captured in like issue one that's like the rethinking and i think it's a very smart approach because that is just too cool a visual to just introduce it's like you know this is like dick tracy comics where you introduce such a cool thing and just kill him off uh, you know a couple right. months later uh if you had it to do over again put that guy in asap and as a fan of lettering here it is yeah, rose good. wake up honey we've arrived Get and it's back 
it only works reading it in this order, right? Yeah. And, it's, and, it's so cool yeah. how the mechanics right. of that page work. It's it's um, like jarring you awake too because this is kind of supposed to be a dr where like, wait, is this guy talking to me, the reader? You know? Yeah, I think that works really well. It's pretty pretty interesting. Pretty bold too, you know. Yeah. We've seen that master class where Gaiman's like blocking stuff out on pages and yeah. stuff, and you can almost see him working out some of those mechanics. It'd be hard to do it if you weren't kind of like looking at a page and thinking in those terms. Unity Kincaid is the one who brought brought the ladies, men, uh, Rose Walker and her mom. And we, we saw Unity Kincaid. She was one of the people who succumbed to the sleeping sickness in issue yeah. one. And uh, like slept through the 20th yeah. century. We, we saw her whole arc uh, where, you know, she, she got raped in her slumber and was pregnant and woke up having maternal feelings and not knowing why. Uh, so then Gaiman is fleshing that out, like what happens with those kids and, and 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 the daughter got you know adopted off sent to, sent to america wait this isn't kid killer kincaid's mom <laughs> that's so funny because there are those panels right like where it's like eternal waking and it's a bound up chained character we made mention of that in, like and, uh, Wizard in our title uh, our title piece here the actual doll's house yeah yeah and and there's a couple different doll's houses in this like the uh the dome that the Sandman, that uh, Brute and Glob and the Sandman live in is kind of like its own dollhouse, too. And Rose Walker's the Vortex. We're going to see that when she steps into this uh, broom closet here. I, I like the way this panel works, how it does. It kind of, like, moves you, like, into here in a really interesting way. And that moment of quiet, like, yeah, how long exactly. is she standing there? Yeah, it's a nice motif to go from wallpaper to almost the background of your page. Yeah. Is, is that wallpaper motif? It looks really good and carries on with your dollhouse idea. Um, I see shades of Watchmen. You know, the, like Sally Jupiter visiting her mom and her mom in the yeah. in that uh, like retired home kind of. You know, this is her room. Uh, some some parallels there, and maybe complete coincidence. But you mentioned Alan Moore in the beginning, so I can't yeah. uh, can't not not see that. Every time I see the three fates. I have to, I think of Toth, man, because okay. in the old DC comics where yeah. those characters show up, it's always Toth drawing uh, these characters. And he, of course, like he does that blonde chick looks just like a Bruce Timmish. Mm -hmm. You know, Bruce Tim took took yeah. took a lot from that. And uh, these characters were established early on. Uh, no Gaiman was able to ask, I mean, no Gaiman, Salmon was able, to, I say that because <laughs> Morpheus, that, yeah, that it's, thing Morpheus in that movie is like, yeah, he cast a young Neil Gaiman in that role. Uh, you know, where's my pouch? Where's my helmet? You could ask one question of each, and she wastes her three questions so yeah. quick. Yeah. Because she don't know the rules, man. Yeah. Which is a kind of cool element that, like, you're it's off he, the map now. It's Hero's, Hero's journey. journey. Yeah. I love this part, too, of just finding ways to do interesting page layouts and to keep the visuals popping in a totally different vernacular than, again, that Marvel, you know, Jim Shooter's gone, now let's go wild. Mm -hmm. Totally different language, but it's still the same challenge of, like, how do you keep these pages interesting, especially with a good bit of exposition. Yeah. And it was all in a broom closet. Even the broom closet is an interesting panel. And then is, is this death? This, I thought that was Desire making a little... Um, cameo you know it's sort of like the hidden villain of, of this i mean that story. hair like that, yeah. that ain't any lennox hair that's right that's, that's death hair i don't think i, I ever really paid too much attention yeah. to that but it's and, and this lady does die at the end right so, yeah, so she's hanging around oh that's interesting yeah, yeah that i totally missed that on my read yeah, I, I read this a million times <laughs> and i just noticed that funny how that works yeah but it's you know that's the argument for rereading this stuff and how they have value and greater than there's your there's your close-up too to kind of yeah i mean it looks like uh more dream yeah. yeah maybe it was him the whole time i don't know Boy, it would have made sense for that to be death. Yeah. But another motif of this series is they get mistaken for each other. 
you know, it starts with right. death, you know, dream being mistaken for death. I think it's real interesting how they actually draw some of these characters too. Like trying to make these be, I don't want to say realistic, but yeah, I do think they're all giving them out. personal, you know, personal qualities and stuff. I think is something you didn't see in a lot of comics. Again, miles from what you're seeing in a Marvel comic at this at this era, and probably and then, in DC. How's this that. for a cliffhanger? Like last page of a of a comic. Yeah, I was reading these in the, in, in the essentials, so individual issues, and I would read this and be like, oh yeah, man, I can't wait for the next issue. And it's like, wait a minute, where where are we? I want to see this guy with the knife. And I would I would say that that first person sequence is another uh, Alan Moore nod. Yeah. Uh, to Swamp Thing because there's a character called the Boogeyman who does get referenced in the serial convention. Yes. Uh, but we saw the Boogeyman gets killed in in the San, in the Swamp Thing comics. I'm gonna be screwing that up the entire time. Just, sure. Just bear with me. Uh, but another you know that first person sequence thing. That's that's another you know Alan Moore piece. Also good use of color once again. You know, this is through that first person, through the the, uh, the actual sunglasses, you get the blue. All right. So, so if, as an artist, if you're if you're tasked with like, okay, Doll's House, you're gonna have to see this house in a bunch of different angles and stuff. You go you go to Squirrel Hill, and you go to you know like that area, and you find a cool house. And you find somebody who's rad who will let you take a couple of snaps around around the side because that from this distance right here feels. Like a photo, like a yeah, photo. Like that's that's traced yeah. off. I did not think about that, Ed, until you said it. But yes, this is such a big character, this house, that yeah. you do need to find the model of it because whatever's in that house is going to be more interesting than what you come up with yeah. sure, on yeah. the fly. Uh, you know, anybody that's been in one of these old 100 year old houses, 120 year old houses, like you, you know what I'm talking about. And that's that's a great use of reference. Yeah. It, it can suggest story, you know? You can get story ideas from looking at it. I think of, uh, like, uh, Tenenbaums, the Wes Anderson yeah. movie, mm-hmm. and how much that house is a character in that. Yeah. And, and I think it's on the DVD extras. They talk about that, you know, like yeah. like the, the work to find a house like that and then to yeah. do some stuff to make it what they wanted it to be. And, of course, now we're going to be introduced to all the borders in yeah. this house. The cast of characters. <laughs> where Rose Ken is staying. Ken and Barbie. And Rose is here to track down her, her brother. Yes. Yeah, Jed. Yeah, Ken, Ken and Barbie, uh, it's the so, Shining Twins grown up. Yeah, it's so uh-huh. great because of, like, the datedness, right? Because, like, you know, the, the TV show, Modern Day. So, like, the guy has a man bun, and and, <laughs> and Barbie is basically, basically the same. So, like, back in those days, your modern-day man bun guy was just, you know, Gordon Gecko, yeah, like young, yuppie, yeah. young yuppie douchebags. I mean, that, that is, like, a spot-on drawing of, like, the Ken doll. Like yeah. of that of that era, the Barbie a little different. The Barbie looks more like Vanna White, who who did become a Barbie doll. So. Yeah, that would be that would be right. Late yeah. late eighties, early nineties, Vanna White yeah, reference. Yeah, got, got your shining twins. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. Funny. How our uh, homeowner, who's kind of the MC of this this sequence, coming through, introducing her to all the other house uh, her housemates. And and another nod to uh, Alan Moore is that the Raven Matthew is is Matthew Cable the the, yeah, the, I, the the dead Matthew Cable. I didn't know that until I heard Neil Gaiman say that on his Mark Maron interview. Yeah, I, I never caught that. He said people have caught on to that, but yeah, somehow that escaped me. Yeah, I had no idea. That's really interesting. Yeah. and it's interesting reading this with that in mind because he's like, oh yeah, I kind of you know fucked up towards the end of my life. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I think he talks about drunken driving, mm-hmm. uh, like all the all the pieces yeah. from from that specific. You know, I mentioned like building that that kind of endless universe, and that's a big piece if you can connect that to Swamp Thing. Now yeah. you've really expanded your mythology to. Uh, well, yes, uh, so a much lot Swamp more Thing there. there. Yeah, the Cain and Abel stuff. Uh, obviously, it's the old horror host, but. Uh, you know, Moore had that in Swamp Thing. He had those guys, that same setup of them like living in this little house and stuff. So yeah, now we're in uh, uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland. 
And again, I read this before I knew about Little Nemo and Slumberland. Probably learned about it shortly after this, but it's like, this is cool. I get that they're referencing some kind of old thing, and then the last panel is like the return to reality, you know, falling out of the bed, except he's waking up in his own shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and talk about a great, like, if, if Nemo were to continue on, like, we don't <laughs> see a lot of Nemo awake in the yeah. original strips, and to go from this kind of cheery, more or less dreamland into this daytime I, I setting. Love, I love oh. that Todd Klein is such a good letterer that he could not allow himself <laughs> to not That's use the, the AIMS guide and stuff like that. He just could not do it. It's, it's like it's like if we were trying to drive a car in, in the UK or something. like like It's hard to go over those double yellow lines, man, uh, and drive on the other side of the road. He you would be what? required to do that here. It's, it's surprising that he doesn't do it. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, Todd Klein, master letterer, historically. Here's, here's what he does give you. On some of that, you have some, like, hand-lettered balloons. And it might, maybe if it's not here, like, it'll be in, like, a later room one where you see a little bit more wobbly balloons, but he can't even allow himself to yeah. do that that much. The numbers are a big piece. You know, that's, totally. that's a big chunk of uh, Nemo. Yeah, now this, like, sort of sad situation that Jed is in, it's not too far from the Simon and Kirby original. Like, it was a very Dickensian story, and it was, like, this kid Jed, he's living with relatives who don't want him after his grandfather died, and they just treat him like garbage through the holes. It's a really depressing series, you know? And he becomes the Sandman? Um, like he's, Billy he's, fr he's friends with the Sandman. He I blows see. a whistle and then the Sandman shows up. It Like, you know, Gaiman very smartly, it's like, okay, what comics were called the Sandman before my comic? Finds this one and kind of just gives the narrative a slight twist, brings it into the 80s a little bit, and like, here we that are. That might be a fun thing to uh, add as an addendum to this reading at some point. Sure. Because I mean, it's like five issues, issues or so. Five issues. Not, I think Kirby worked series. on like the first one and then like the last couple of them, and, but there's a couple yeah. like that Kirby's not involved in. But it was like they were they were like, OK, new gods bombed this bombed that bombed. Maybe if we team up Simon and Kirby yeah. at D.C., we'll have a hit. You know, and that was the idea there. How dated is this piece right here? <laughs> Chick clacking away at, at a goddamn typewriter. I don't know. It's, you know, kind of like a hip thing to do is get get, get a <laughs> typewriter out. And, you know. It's not hard to imagine this, though, as an email or something, you know, in, yeah. in today's a world. Blog. But it does give us one more visual in terms of another voice and represent that voice through your, yeah. your lettering. Use all those parts that are available to you. How about that for a uh, like your classic yeah. sound effect lettering I mean, applied especially, to this Especially comic. for a writer, this is like the medium he works in is at this time. It's yeah. probably like a typewriter kind of thing, you know. <laughs> How just popping in in his work attire... Uh, railing on somebody at the, at the at the office, and it just bounces. Yeah, so it just comes in. Describes this place as the Adams family. <laughs> it's such a uh, comic book esque setting. Yeah, the, she's uh, nearly collection of Mar Marilyn Munster, but then you realize she's the weirdest of them all. And there's the picture of Jed and his grandfather. Yeah, and this is this is what we know about Jed, or yeah. what she knows about Jed up to this point, like where they lose track of him uh, with the grandfather's death. We interrupt this video to sell some books. This is how we pay the bills at Cartoonist Kayfabe. We are all working cartoonists, so the best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up some of our comics. Tom Scioli's Fantastic Four Grand Design, uh, one of my favorite books of the last several years, is available wherever books and comics are sold. And that is based on one of Jack Kirby's most famous creations and Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of King of Comics, Tom Scioli's biography of the king, uh, also available wherever comics and books are sold. 
Edpiscor's Red Room trigger warnings and the Antisocial Network are both available now in comic shops and bookstores everywhere. These are both self-contained, so whichever one you encounter is the one to pick up and start with. There are four complete stories in each issue, in each volume, plus a litany of great back matter. Street Angel, Deadly Girl Alive from Image Comics is my Ninja on a Skateboard book. It's back in print after almost a year being out of print, so pick that one up at your local shop next time you're there. And Hulk, Grand Design, Monster, and Madness, the retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk, available wherever comics are bought and sold. And you can pre-order the Treasury oversized edition that'll be out first of next year. And now back to our Sandman coverage. And your boy Matthew, or yeah. your crow Matthew. Yeah, uh, voiced in the show by Ratatouille. Remy the Rat, uh, Pat Oswald. Patton Oswald, yeah. Yeah. Boy, I bet he loves that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's creating a new nightmare. Yeah, Sam, and he's got work to do, you know? Yeah, he is very, um, he's got a work ethic, you know? Get the idea of the vortex, you know, like, like yeah. they're describing the vortex, and, you know, that's going to be something he's got to deal with. Yes, uh, and he's letting the vortex live for a little bit because it's his thesis that the vortex is going to drag those errant dreams that are running around, like, to her in some form so that it'll just make them easier to capture. When a comic book character goes down a dark alley, you know something's coming on. Yeah. It's hilarious to see that because I always laugh at superheroes where it's like, oh, we're going to go fight crime. Let's go hang out on a building top and stare at these alleys because yeah. something like this is going to happen. So you get to see the Sandman treatment of that. It's like a very standard superhero setup. Yeah. You know? Happens twice per issue of Batman. And then look at the superhero that comes to her rescue. It's kind of like like a, like a twee uh, 90s goth superhero this uh fiddler's green I, I always think of wimbledon green yeah with this guy <laughs> they yeah. could be the same yeah. character exactly yeah this is I just found a new collection of comics yeah. Yeah. Be down this alley just uh yeah grover cleveland uh comes yeah like, and, of, and of course in the wow in the, that's that's pretty yeah, good like who, who is because it's it's yeah like grover cleveland it's um mark twain it's teddy roosevelt yeah like some kind of like molding of all of those and of course uh in in the modern day and it is netflix you can't you can't have the dude just just uh take care of the bad guys the chick is very capable takes a dude out with a bottle or two fiddler's green shows up dismantles one or two others and then walks her home well she is half endless you know so she's got her sort of you know like half god like uh, hercules kind of thing going on yeah, and she's looking pretty good there. She's she's yeah. not uh, not not going quietly before uh, yeah. he shows up. She's got the gift. She would she would get recruited into the X Men. And now we we see our Sandman, our other yeah. Sandman, entering into this little Nemo esque world. Yeah, the what, most recent Sandman. What yeah. a tall, what a tall ask, man, to to do the art on a series like this where you have all this visual stimuli that needs to be yeah. communicated. So like you can only get the 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 bare basics when you have 20 something pages so like like we know Windsor McKay would not allow this right. would be the most ornate marble structure yeah. uh, but you've seen that by Windsor McKay for sure in a Sandman I mean yeah in a uh, Little Nemo comic yeah this is another one to me where Gaiman's storytelling is really shining like if you're an editor if you're reading this as it's coming out and this is like issue I think 10 or 11 now like, you got to be blown away reading this in real time because, like, it's such a nightmare, you know, just having yeah. the Little Nemo gimmick 
to end on the waking up and yeah. just one nightmarish wake up panel yeah. after another. They keep getting worse. That to me is the twist of these little Nemo strips is this payoff yeah. panel and yeah. it's like that's just horrendous. I, I don't know if we talked about this before but like there's that letter that Neil Gaiman wrote to DC saying look I know we made this kind of deal but we're like maybe 10 issues in or whatever and he's like this thing turned out more special than either of us assumed. Let's renegotiate the deal. I don't know if you've seen that's been circulating lately and I wonder which issue it ties to, like if it's around this time or whatever, where it's like, okay, we're, we got something special here. And, and I'll, he even said he was going to leave the series if they didn't, you know. It does feel like he's channeling stuff in a way that some writing is very logical. You know, mm -hmm. you can kind of see, all right, these are the pieces and, you know, it kind of makes sense how they're bouncing off of each other. This feels like some inspirations are, yeah. are entering from issue to issue and story to story that are just coming from very tangential, like a, a, a left step into this, mm -hmm. um, you know, from out of left field, so to speak. He, he said it took it took him about six weeks per issue to, to, to write these things. And kind of unlike Alan Moore, who was, um, you know, doing Swamp Thing while he was doing Miracle Man, while he was doing Watchmen, Neil Gaiman was taking like little powders, man. He was doing that little bit of McFarlane shit to like make some paychecks and things, but his his comic book output wasn't like the way Alan Moore's was. Like he was putting a lot of effort into yeah. this, and I do think that over time, once the trades and stuff started coming out, it made closer economic sense for him to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, when those things became evergreen, I, I read dubious numbers, man, that range from three quarters of one million, which f seems far low in terms of Sandman uh, book collection circulation. And the top numbers I've seen was 7 million, which still feels low to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so don't have an accurate set of numbers to give anybody as per, like how many copies of this have sold. But certainly that number must change after Netflix. I am very happy to hear that it, it does take effort for this. Because, <laughs> you know, like if you came up with the pieces of this, just this, this book. Yes. How to make those pieces fit and tell a coherent narrative it's very intimidating. it should not yeah. your brain is is on a different level if that yeah. comes out smoothly like i would think it would take some like okay this is a good idea but now i've got to rework some stuff to make the nemo strips fit in mm -hmm. right you know or, or or to tie in this vortex idea with the missing pieces from from the endless, or from the dream i mean he says he was doing it kind of a piece at a time and it kind of, so at that point you're relying on your subconscious to make everything make sense and i you know that's that's i think that's the way to do it i think one of the things that you do like you complete an issue and when you get your your galley copy or your comps or something give it a read before starting you yeah. know the next and and or maybe give everything a read yeah, refresh before, your memory before you start on and then see what you left up in the air and mm -hmm. and you know you could conjure up whole stories with with that kind of stuff um we <laughs> we were looking at like punisher war journal one right and we were making mention of like Carl Potts would have these pages that have no business being in that issue. And you just know that it's going to be some future mm -hmm, right. Punisher yeah. story. Like this is far more structured and we're more used to this kind of approach now where it could be, it's the George Lucas approach. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like you spin off a whole story to figure out how Boba Fett got that dent in his helmet. <laughs> yeah. You don't call too much attention to it. You show it. 
and then you can make that story at another time. Like that's that's the difference between those kind of comics and something like this. Yeah, I imagine like the serial killer or detective wall of characters in, in Gaiman's apartment and just strings going off to like around the corner. There's mm -hmm. stuff not even over there yet, but like, okay, this is a thread that at some point we can we can pick this one up in the future. I mean, Princess Barbara that gets established in this book, like that's the right. next story. That's yeah. Brief Lives, I think. I think it's what it's called, right? And so, so here we got, like, you're doing that point of view stuff. And we're doing point of view of a character who eats eyeballs by stuffing them in his eye sockets. <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that maybe would make it a little better is if you had little teeth on the top and bottom of, of each panel. Oh, go Eisnerian. This is, this is fun explanation of just that he can't find Jed. Yeah. Yeah. And so he knows it's one of one it's of the uh, news, arcana yeah. that uh, have, have figured Locked out how to block off. him off because he's yeah. not dead yet and he can't find him. So wonder which one's responsible. You know, it's nice. It comes back and it gives us a recap. It's yeah. the if this is your first issue, at least you can catch up. Yeah, mo mm -hmm. more or less just from, uh, you know, from this issue. Yeah, this stuff is great. And again, putting back on your glasses and, yeah. and uh, illustrate that Mr. Colorist. Great payoff at the end too. It'd be easy to put that in the in the beginning of that scene. For sure, for sure. This is a great sequence where this girl gets in the information, knows where Jed Jed is. She's going to bounce, man. We established that, you know, maybe she could get it. Her head, she could get into a little bit too much trouble. Wouldn't be bad to have, you know, a knight in shining armor or something along the way. There's, uh, what, what's his name? Gilbert. Gil Gilbert. Oh, Gilbert. Yeah. We'll call him Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, early. So Gilbert's there waiting. It's like, oh, I'm gonna accompany you. I have a serviceable revolver and my little, uh, my little sword stick thing. She's like, no, absolutely not, no way. Flip the page. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, they're good, already good on comedic the roof. editing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have not connected that he's fiddling. Right. No, that's a really green, nice reveal. But yeah. there are these little hints, right? Yeah. He's wearing a green vest and stuff. And in hindsight, it makes sense yeah. just from. Well, not even hindsight, but in foreshadowing and then knowing who he is, that he would be glomming on to her. He's a really appealing, likable character. Yeah. Like, you can't help liking him, and then when you see, like, what he actually is, you know, he's like this place that's, like, just, you feel real comfortable and safe and happy, you know. Healthy. It's, yeah, it's good. All of these uh, characters are in Jed's dream. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, is they're living inside this? his mind. He is his own piece of the dreaming, is, like, up in his head that's walled off from the rest of it. And, you know, the Sandman is is dead, and this he's, is a way of keeping him alive. He's got to go in with the, with the Playtex freaking dishwashing mitts. It's that dirty a business. <laughs> yeah, some of this stuff's cool to me, too. I feel like it's good drawing, and it gives, like, a real imposing quality to Sandman, where it's like he's he's angry, yeah. and, and you're going to see what, what can come of that. Has a certain weight. Again, it's a good way to end yeah. your issue, where it's like, you're not going to like... This, this yeah. isn't a dude to piss off. Yeah, it's 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 like the Batman scene. It's like, you know... I also like whenever they up. describe his robe early on as being like almost like living. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is the best yeah. representation of it. This is okay. But there are some really cool robe illustrations as we keep going where it's almost like you're doing something with the ink lines. I'll try to remember to point them out sure. when we see them. But it, it's one of those qualities of like... The description of the robe is almost impossible to draw... So it's cool whenever you see people kind of like rising to like some kind of how do you interpret this thing that's almost abstract. The the sort of culmination to me is the Kelly Jones approaches, man, where it, it's always kind of flowy yeah. and blowing. Love this spread too, and this wouldn't have been a spread, you know. This would have been your page one. Yeah. In the uh, in the original printings, in the comic books. Now these 
<clears throat> these sort of like cheerful Kirby characters are drawn in uh, Bernie Wrightson yeah. language, you know, which would have been contemporary. Like that cheery Sandman was coming out the same time as like the first issues of of uh, Swamp, Swamp thing. thing. You know, it's an interesting pairing, and it is Krang. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's Sandman and, and his uh, pregnant wife. Yeah, this, gets, this Sandman. Who gets pregnant, pregnant in the dreaming. And th th these are established characters. You know, yeah. Lyda Hall. Lyda Hall. Like, I think, is, is, she, is she like Wonder Woman's niece yeah, or she's, something? Yeah, like related to Wonder Woman somehow. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, she's that Wonder Woman sidekick that. character. Wonder Girl. Some xerography on the background. Yeah, I was going to say, this is getting into some of that interesting background effects. And they talk about. Uh, a thousand thousand screens which is what you're seeing in like all these little panels you know, oh like you know what's one funny of those fun things the, to the, try to fulfill this is the uh this is the go back this is the chris bachalo uh issues and eric reynolds helped out on these that's eric reynolds right there <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. and they've they changed it in the trades but if you get the original issue there is a blow job <laughs> in one of these tv screens that uh got amended for the trades that's funny. I feel like that's Brian Boland. A Brian Boland piece of art right there. But that, for Vendetta. That's Eric Reynolds, and uh, Chris Pachala will be in here. Uh, he said that, Eric Reynolds said that they were in the back of a comic shop, like in, uh, I guess, Orange County. And Eric was, like, helping uh, spot the blacks and things. Yes. Chris Bachelot, uh on your guest penciling. Uh, the next issue will also be guest penciled. And when we were coming into this, I was excited by the art team because I, I like these artists. And I think up to this point, a little bit underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. There have been some good panels and good moments. But post this, it feels like it really picks up artistically. Uh -huh. And uh, is this even John Costanza doing a lettering fill-in? And I think the next issue might have a lettering fill-in. So it feels like maybe deadlines had gotten out of control. If he's taken six yeah. weeks gaming to write an issue and, and who knows, the artists aren't quite up to the task of being maybe on a four-week schedule. Maybe they're getting books late. It feels like this is where the catch-up happens, like almost a, not a relaunch, but kind of like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. We just got to get back to, to on time. This, this is how comics work now. Oh, yeah. This is, it's structured for specifically this. Now. Yes. And Chris Boschel looks great, mm -hmm. you know. So you know, young, so young, like, like his whole life got made. Like he really wasn't doing, he didn't, he got his first opportunities. This was a low-level book. Yeah. Right. This is like trying to think when shade shade would be after this i think yeah shade's oh, of course. a big yeah, shade, run up yeah. for him right you sure. know what um this looks so much to me like frank miller's ronin yeah there are these like, elements man this sure. panel in particular yeah. the color reminds me of, of the ronin yeah dude just fully going for it man like try, like this is his audition yeah. imagine this is your audition <laughs> krang looking really good right in this yeah. panel. yeah <laughs> what a contrast Pr between your two it. sandmans Yeah, so I guess this was her 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 young young superhero outfit. Yeah, and he's going off to, and she even says like uh, when she was that superhero is just copying her mom. Yeah, right. Which and, another one of those almost Watchmen esque this, nod, like, or vice versa maybe. His superhero and sort of superheroes in general in this series are these clueless doofuses. They're and uh, it's it's another thing like you see in Alan Moore a lot where you have like the hero type who's a complete idiot, and then his sort of sidekicks are the real powers, are sort of manipulating him, letting him think that he's the big hero and sending him on his little missions, you know, at their behest. Yeah, they even comment about how dumb he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's kind of taken out, like, of, of the, sh the show, the the Lyta Hall character and Hector Hall, like, they're 
it's its own independent thing and sandman is the little boy who's who's given this uh you know like he he gets to be a hero in his dreams and okay. it's kind of a, ver a very cool approach all right man their car breaks down rose and and uh and gilbert and so they end up going to the nearest hotel which happens to be the uh site of a serial convention and whenever i first tried reading this that was the hook right it was yeah. like this is a serial killer right. convention storyline yeah. there's a lot more story than sure, just that yeah. part that's like two issues or so in here uh but it was the part that it would frustrate me as a reader because i would pick this up and try to read it and be like i don't there's no serial killers what is this yeah. about <laughs> you know, I, I love the the line she says when they're checking in and she's like okay these cereal eaters growers whatever and like the next word is killers you know cereal yeah. <laughs> eaters growers killers yeah totally and in case that's not enough the next scene is your serial killer yeah. in action once again <laughs> dude's gonna get their fingers bit off by the guy's eyeballs <laughs> And back to our Nightmare Monster showdown with Sandman. Sandman versus Sandman. You know, old and new. And, and Morpheus just, just cracking up. Oh, you're Sandman, huh? Yeah. Just laughing. And kind of changes the mood, because he was in a serious, I'm ready to kill kind of mood. And then he's like, okay, you got to laugh out of me. You know, good for <laughs> you, kid. You know, you, you made this more fun than I thought it would be. These type of visuals, right? Like, you got to... This is a dream comic. Yeah, but also paralleling where yeah. our, uh, our dreamer is imprisoned it's cool to see morpheus as the nightmare monster mm -hmm. right you know we, he's our title character like he's usually the hero yeah it's great how much he is not quite the hero yeah he hangs back a lot very scary if that's the hero that yeah. you're waiting for yeah and, and you know he's he's a very, a very flawed character you know? and he's not interested in helping people no. he's not like hey jed let me help you or whatever he's just, just kind of like yeah you know, all, all the serial killers don't end up in prison right. or anything like that yeah, it's much more of a serviceman than it is a hero. Like yeah. his role is got to keep the dreams working. It's He's got not, another agenda. That's yeah, not we're not like here to a, rescue yeah. or reassure you. His laughing is even scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, through the you know. Yeah. I mean, and this is a horror comic. The visual representation, like the nightmare monster, just towering over our quote-unquote traditional yeah. hero. In 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 those primary colors. So you have your pastel pan, uh, your pastel pellet. And then just traditional superhero. How about this for like color hold stuff that's going down, man? Does he ever look more like Neil Gaiman? <laughs> There's there were a lot of panels where I'm like, it's just Neil Gaiman, man. Yeah, I thought that a lot reading this. You know, even even hearing like that voice. Yeah, I mean, people make fun of George Lucas, you know, <laughs> creating these. Uh... Jack Porkins is that the Lucas? Well, no, no, Luke. His name's Lucas. Yeah. And the hero's called Luke, you know, <laughs> and he saves the universe. A little Otomo energy Absolutely. in this. Absolutely. I had to reread this to see like what happened to his parents. You know, it's like this this burst. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the coloring could have made that a little bit more, I don't know, clear. A, a great comeuppance though, because those those uh, adoptive parents are are such scumbags in this story. And, yeah. yeah, gonna make him wish his mother had a abortion instead of him. Right. About the worst thing. You, you can know say what right I mean? Like like horrendous. So like like yeah, keep that character in character right before you you destroy him. And again, defeating these bad guys is secondary. They're, they're collateral damage in, in uh, Sandman's real uh, quest. Yeah, I'm just a little bit surprised you don't see them at all whenever, right, yeah. whenever they get their yeah, comeuppance. Have, mm -hmm. have a, I don't know, a hint of, of his shape. Some being, entrails. Being destroyed, yeah, right? Whenever I think about it's what you would actually comic. show, it's pretty unpleasant, but... Because, I mean, with something this, in this there. Domu, you know, this is the little girl, right. like, fucking using some psych, psych stuff. Good moment with all of your remaining cast from that sequence. And gets rid of uh, 
our Sandman pretty uh, pretty easily. This piece feels so tipped in. It doesn't feel like Bachalo. It looks feels like Charles Vess like came in for one panel. And you'll see when you, when we do like Midsummer's Night's Dream issue, it's it's that line quality. Yeah, I don't know about it being vest, but I mean it can no, easily be vest. a lot of the uh, the anchor yeah, handling yeah, yeah. it. You yeah. know, like like something came in and maybe they weren't thrilled with it, and it was like, well, just fix up this one. I mean, how how many stories are there of like bullpens doing that with different comics, both Marvel and DC? Stuff? And he's he's like, go away, little ghost, and and turns Sandman into. And I'm kind of noticing it here. It looks like he's turning into like a crow shape, you know, which is what ghosts become in this cosmology. And he's like, listen, man, you shouldn't be getting pregnant from, from, from dead guys. Your baby's mine. It was, it was conceived in the dream it world. Was, so It so. was conceived prior to the dream world, but spent most of its gestation in the dream world. So, yeah, it's his. He lays claim. And, that, and, that, and it's, this is incredibly important in, in the mythology of, of Sandman, this whole piece right here. I love the uh, kind of the reality versus the dream version yeah. of, of Lyda. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we've seen that in that... Uh, John Constantine uh, issue where the lady was addicted to the sand uh -huh. and you got to see what the reality was versus the dream. It's a cool use of comics as a medium, I think. Mm -hmm. Not always easy to draw, but if you can pull it off, I feel like that's a really good use. And here the A story and the B story come together where Jed's gotten away, he's running away, and who's he run into? Oh man, that blue color lets you know everything you need to know there. That poor kid is no luck, man. He's behind the eight ball. Yeah, he's a, he's a Dickensian character. Another great uh, another great ending of an issue. Yeah. And reading these as the single issue reprints, it really made me think like how these things stand alone as issues, as satisfying issues on their yeah. own. And then like once you put them into a seventy-five issue narrative, like mm -hmm. they they have the same kind of uh, success, but a very different experience. You yeah. know, like like being able to write the single issues at this time period, like people have just abandoned that. Got the Zuli issue, the first Zuli issue. Yeah. Michael Zuli and uh, is it Steve, Steve Parkhouse? Yeah, I have some of his art and other stuff, and I really like him. He They're does... a strange uh, couple. Yeah, it makes page. sense to me, man, uh, because they like this kind of like pre-Raphaelite type mm -hmm. artwork. Like Steve Parkhouse's work, you know, whenever Eclipse brought Miracle Man over and had success with that, and they started bringing all kinds of stuff. There, Parkhouse, I believe it's Parkhouse, did had a had a run in uh, Warrior also. And that gets reprinted by Eclipse. Uh, it's it's formatted a little weird, so they have to put like some weird stuff on the on the top margins or bottom margins. But it's very very uh, action adventure strip oriented kind of artwork. British fella, I'm, I'm guessing because it's Warrior. I think I had a how-to book by him 20 years ago. I don't have it anymore, but you know, like I like his cartooning. Like I think he's a solid cartoonist. Uh, this, interesting marriage though between the two styles. This is the Hob Gadling story, yeah. man. And this is like one of the like I read this as a kid, and it introduced me to, you know, like certainly as a little kid, man, when you have your first like kind of family members pass away and things, like death is extremely. I mean, it's scary to me now, but uh, this kind of helped me like make peace with it. I uh, no gaming on on that Mark Marin interview. He's talking about how he talked to the girl who played Death. And was like, you now have a responsibility. You gotta mm -hmm. keep your ears open and and just like allow people to tell you super horrendous things. And and you have to kind of just like acknowledge, like listen and and, mm -hmm. and move forward. But don't let it hurt you. And don't you know yeah. give too much or give too little. And and like if I was to like pull his coat, like this would be the issue that I'd be talking mm -hmm. about because it just helped me deal with like a whole lot of stuff. Well, in life at a young age. Yeah, for me, when I was re I was pretty young when I read this, and I was like, 
yeah, that's the plan. I'm just not going to die. Like, you're, you're in denial about, yeah. you know, like... Yeah, anybody unfamiliar, this guy decides he does, he's not going to die. Yeah. And death is like, okay, we'll, we'll let this go. And Morpheus is like, cool, I'll, I'll tell him and I'll catch up with him each year. Or yeah, each death is years. a sucker's game. And this motif comes up again and again in this series where it's like, people don't die because they have to die. They die because they choose to, according to the logic of your... And then it was the same thing with hell, where it's like people aren't in hell because they were forced there. They chose to be in and, and continue to choose and they could leave at any moment, but something in, in, in the human psyche wants to punish itself. And so, like, Zuli, man, this is a very complicated comic to draw. Yeah. Uh, the idea is that, you know, Morpheus is going to meet up with that guy. Okay, so you're not going to die. Let's meet up here again in 100 years. Mm -hmm. And you got five, six, seven centuries worth of stuff where you have to have period-specific architecture. So on, on both creative person's part, there's a lot of work that needs to be done that is not putting pencil to paper and making pages happen. Neil Gaiman has to figure out, like, the history of basically technology. Yeah. They're talking about chimneys here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you got, and you got these grizzled old guys who are like, ah, oh, these pussies, man, who want chimneys in their houses. Like, it was so much better before chimneys. <laughs> yeah, it makes the wood strong. Ed, think about this. You got to draw the difference between the 1300s and the 1400s. Right. Yes. Like, what, what is that? You yeah. know? And, and what kind of reference do you have for that kind of stuff, man? It's it just like... And, and and you're changing attire, you're changing architecture. What are the technological advancements? The, like the work that is done for this issue alone would take me a year. Yeah, 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 for sure. The inking is so bizarre. Like if you yeah. look at these lines, it's some kind of maybe a fountain pen or something yeah. where like you're going back and forth without lifting your pen. Uh -huh. It's a C-nip. <laughs> <laughs> and we also don't get like you know 1608 it doesn't right. uh right. Yeah. you know like like your yeah, indicator's you, yeah, not the, quite the, there the costuming and the, and the architecture are what what take you there there's there are parts like that make me think of that great arkham single page history mm -hmm. of yeah. america right but they don't quite do it here like I, I feel like that that is kind of a missed opportunity man like mm -hmm. where if you could like create the animated gif of the outside structure yeah. of from the same exact camera view like that great uh crumb piece because like this is what the bar looks like in one century and this is what we have, you know, 100 years from yeah. then, updated technologies, updated uh, attire. And the whole arc of Hobgadling's life, there are ups and downs depending on the century. Yeah. The dude is damn near aristocracy or, or royalty in one century. And then he is a mumbling, like, bowery mm -hmm. bum the next run-ins with uh shakespeare shakespeare and mm -hmm. and there is a lot like you could read you could read endlessly about um did shakespeare write his his right yeah all his plays and stuff like yeah. that and uh it looks like no gaiman is kind of given a little bit of that to uh you know some some other dudes so these shakespearean parts they 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 pay forward uh in in the future in the great charles vess issue and some others there's a reference to printing technology <laughs> right, which, which yeah. he describes as a gimmick but he's getting, getting <laughs> yeah. involved in that that's a pretty fun moment um it's, i don't think it's here yet it, but they get into slave trade yes and it's one of the things that morpheus is like you, you need to get out of that yeah 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 maybe the next i think yeah, it's after, after is it this. after yeah it's because this is his fall and then he's rich again by the next time after this yeah and it's uh this is a Hard to make these moments. He does some stuff where each moment, each next hundred years, there's some cool stuff that's introduced. Yeah. So in this one, he's having his first child. And in right. this one, a hundred, you know, he's very excited. He's very yeah. up. And the next one, 
the child died in a bar fight. Yeah, in his the, his wife died in childbirth. Yeah, like their second He's kid. lost his fortune. Like, but he still wants it, more. This is this is your you know yeah, right. He's not ready to give in to death yeah. yet. It's a mugs game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got so much to live for. And that's kind of like the takeaway. For, like this is a fantasy story, make believe kind of stuff. But there are points in people's lives where they are kind of ready to give up. So this is kind of something to kind of take with you. you know? No, like, like, the real like world. this thing, man, like, so just... And there's your, your building being built up, Ed. Yeah, totally. And you have Lady Johanna Constantine showing up, man. Yeah. Because because at this point, it's now legend of the meeting of these guys in this yes. exact yeah. location. And she's, you know, she's interested in uh, the occult and things. That's the Constantine way. Uh, so... She's prepared. She's prepared for a long time. She's got heavies with her yeah. and shit. She's got plans within plans. Yeah, it's one of the twists that I think is really great. Like, we've seen a few of these meetings now, so now we've got them at knife point. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's it's, clever. It's really cool. And, it, and it's nice that it's Constantine. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, again, plays into that bigger universe. It's an interesting thing because the, the John Constantine that we know... In, in the Swamp Thing issues is kind of hinted at as maybe being immortal himself. Maybe maybe the J.C. in John Constantine is Jesus Christ Ooh, or something. Like Red Badge of Courage. You know, so this is a choice that Gaiman makes that kind of negates that, you know, that, that he's just the latest in a line. And and now we have the location of exactly where that bar is, man. It's <laughs> in Whitechapel, yeah. dude. How about that for, for uh, yeah, interesting. And again... A little bit of a nod to Alan Moore, right? right. I mean, yeah, from he's, Hell he's is, wearing is, is the, starting up probably around this time. He's wearing the Ripper outfit. Not too far from uh, from our friend Gilbert, his outfit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is such a great issue, man. Yeah, it is great. And again, like you were saying, it seems like little standalone, like, hey, here's a little change of pace. We got our big story going. Let's have a little fun. But it all connects. Reminds me of... Uh, Gilbert Hernandez's Julio's Day and uh, Chris Ware's Lint, yeah. where it's like you're just checking in. You know, the, the, the pacing's different, obviously, but it's it's that thing of, like, we're going to have just moments that, that delineate this passage of time. Yeah, the book into this, and, and sort of the MacGuffin, is death and dream go to a bar. And death is, she takes it upon herself to just get acquainted with the humanity that she serves. And Morpheus feels elitist about that like i like i don't what, what do i have to be here for so when it's suggested yeah, this that is great i like this that sequence. every hundred years we we meet up together like uh we're friends at this point and and it's uh, like Morpheus the worst thing you could say to him is completely yeah. insulted because it's just it would be so below him it implies some need on right. his part right which is unthinkable right it's great though and he's like a good cliffhanger at the end of the page i'll be here in 100 years if you know if, if we're friends yeah right <laughs> i'll see you then it, it's re it's really sweet how yeah, it's nice. uh, like on the tv show how how they play this because okay. when he's sitting there waiting after after their their scuffle um it's like the first thing that morpheus does when he escapes the bubble is like run there oh, it's nice. like that's all happening uh, yeah. while he's escaped so like this guy it, like it, he might not be showing up right he almost doesn't make it just because of what happened in volume one exactly you know? exactly and then he shows up and he's all 80s up totally <laughs> and then look at that mullet it's, it's the crow is there any connection to the dollhouse in this story because this feels like an inventory story that could have been plugged in anywhere and definitely feels like it's a deadline issue yes yeah. that we get he, this one here he, here's, i like the story yeah but... right here's here's what i think it is man and here's how it tangentially like fits in uh this is the issue where uh where sandman is m more connected with humanity right. than ever so like 
when he has to kill Rose Walker at the end, and 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 there's that kind of that kind of push pull emotionally with that. Like he's he's kind of he has this in mind. You're, you're right because up until this point, when we were seeing him as like the dream monster versus the Sandman, it's kind of like why the fuck should I give a shit about this guy? You know, and then here it's like a little vulnerability. Like, you know, yeah, he's he 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 is the hero of this story. He's not quite the kind of hero you've seen before, but he's a good guy underneath it all. It's nice. It gives him some personality, but it could be anywhere. Yeah, I love seeing Dave <laughs> McKean do the Corinthian. Yes, and we did uh, that Dust Jackets book that w- we looked at all of the Dave McKean uh, covers for Sandman, and there's uh, some artist information associated with each cover. This is Neil Gaiman with the smile. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't remember that detail, but man, <laughs> that really adds to it. <laughs> Unforgettable image, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's a great image. So here we go. Serial convention. Dringenberg back in, in the house, man. Yeah, and I think it's strong from here on out. Like, yes. I, I think that whatever time off to catch up really paid off. Steve Bissett? Yeah, I'm wondering, <laughs> yeah, because the convention, comic book convention. Oh, totally. You know? 100%. I, I can relate Name tags, yeah. panels. Yeah. He's, he's, and, he's got a year in, and so, like, Sandman is, is getting more and more sexy and stuff. So, so like, he's he's exercising his own demons here, not just with attendees, but with brethren. And you know what? Like, this isn't 2020, uh, you know, San Diego Comic, or, or, you know, 2015 San Diego Comic Con or whatever. This is... 1990. Late, yeah, yeah, early 90s, late 80s, where it's, like... It's it's a little sparsely attended. It's not it's not jam packed wall to wall, you know. I would take Joe Kubert too. Yeah, Joe Kubert. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you're doing Bissett, isn't that still a Kubert reference in some way? So is that Archie Goodwin? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna play that game? Uh, <laughs> Are we gonna play that game, guys? Let's do it. Who's this? <laughs> Say something, man. Put a card on the table. <laughs> is that Jim Shooter? Oh man, that's this is funny. Will Eisner checking in? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, Peter David. <laughs> I was thinking that, but a lot of hair. Yeah, the mustache is good, though. Yeah, so this is this is <laughs> this is such guy, a bizarre. This is the guy who ran mycomicshop.com. Uh, <laughs> what was that? What was that joint? Lone yeah, Star Comics. Yeah, Lone Star Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy Saunders. <laughs> right, it's Buddy Saunders, dude. <laughs> That's amazing. This kind of has the rhythm of a comic convention too, because everybody's showing up. It's kind of exciting, and then and then there's a point where it's like, I found my people. All my life, I've I've been an outsider, and now I found my. And then by the end, they're kind of like, you know, ready to go home. Get me the fuck out of here. It's a peculiar conceit for a story. Yeah, you know that it's serial killers because you could yeah. do anything. It, they could be traveling salesman right. convention. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you wanted to plant this in a different world, but like there, you do serial killers. But there were crazy things like like. In the in the eighties, like like zine culture, so low key. There's that kind of stuff going on, and I mean, Howard Stern. They would call the Nambla line, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was there were like Nambla is getting together. Like that. There's this disgusting groups finding one another, and this is before the internet, so you had to do it in person. I remember seeing footage of early hacker conventions, and everybody in the whole joint is wearing um Lone Ranger masks, and it's a, a room full of dudes with fucking Lone Ranger masks and like loaded to the gills with different technology of the 70s. It's, wow. it's fucking badass. And there's still a little bit of shame connected to comics <laughs> at this point too, you know? Yeah, definitely. You don't want anybody to know you're you're having a comic convention. And it's a cool conceit, but you really don't. Like there weren't yeah. supposed to be anybody that wasn't part of the convention in this yeah. hotel, but unfortunately Rose and Gilbert uh, find their <laughs> way there. And how about that? For that her? Yeah. And again, this is another one where it's like, is this really what the story of 
Little Red Riding Hood was, you know, like, am I am I getting a history lesson here, or are we still in like Neil Gaiman's fantasy land? You know, yeah, this is a wild story because it involves cannibalism. Yeah, you know, saying that this was the original version of it, and then it was kind of massaged into what yeah. we know today. Yeah, yeah, and and, 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 and we've heard that plenty of times. Sure, yeah. Uh, but this artwork right there, this two pager, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's who knows what the medium was to start, but then it has to get distilled into black and white line. Yeah, and I love that it's not a grid. Yeah, you know they're square panels, but the they're color. not lined up. You know what is tr- what is troublesome in the reading experience of like the spread mm-hmm. is that I take this in as a panel, and so I went there, and then I'm like, oh no, I'm supposed to read like this. Right. I'm not sure this was a spread initially, either. It would help if it was not. Yeah. B- for for right. that specific reason, yeah. because I totally went right there because it looks like it a does unit. look like it. Yeah, it does look like it. But boy, that drawing's amazing. Yeah, it makes me think of like Lone Wolf and Cub or something yeah. like it, 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 like. Japanese calligraphy art, you know. And here's our Corinthian showing up. Yeah, now I'm thinking, is that like Lou Reed? And I'm th- also thinking like Tim Robbins around this time kind of had that kind of look. And I think he wore like weird sunglasses in one of his movies. Maybe You're, you, you're not thinking Howard Chaikin showing up at the convention? <laughs> <laughs> Great hair. Yeah. Storico. <laughs> <laughs> little tall. A little tall for... <laughs> but, got, but got the white... Yeah, these would have to be switched, their heights, if they were... Uh... <laughs> I bet the no sleeves is a uh, is a joke at someone's expense. Steve Rude. <laughs> oh. He had good uh, hair, too. You know what? Uh, 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 Cerebus. Uh, Dave oh, Sim. Shit. Dave Sim. He had that hair. That's interesting, yeah. because that would be that group of, like... Uh, you know, Gaiman was part of that, uh-huh. that circle, that, like, kind of New England, coming out of the Turtles kind of group. Yeah. The creators and stuff. Um, so we, we've got our organizer, Nimrod, being like, hey, I need a favor because one of their guests didn't show up that was going to be mm-hmm. the guest of honor, so uh, appealing to the Corinthian. It's neat how they all know each other, and I mean, like, that's a really nice splash page. Yeah, for sure. A lot of work has to be done on the uh, colorist part to to uh, to get this stuff across. And I'm looking at these images. I don't recognize almost anybody. I don't, I don't recognize anything. Yeah, I was anything. looking for, like, a John Wayne Gacy exactly, clown like, or something. Like, yeah, like, where's Albert Fish, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, but there's, it's just, ra- it feels random. I wonder if that's something that editorially they uh-huh. said you can't use real, you, right. you know, you can't use a real person's uh-huh. likeness yeah. in there. But look at what we have here. Like, the letterer, you know, if they did anything. Like, I'm, it's, it's my th- thought... In this, unless told otherwise, that this part is done by the inker. It wouldn't surprise pe- pe- Penciler. Yeah. But the colorist has to figure a lot of that out because there's not a lot of holding lines here, you know, for like right. the C and. I think a that's lot of the shit. argument of, that it's done by the penciler inkers. Like even the color parts? Yeah, why not? It's a color hold, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like I, on, a ne- on an extra that. layer, like a, a piece of vellum or something. Yeah, we've seen that in other comics, just applied this way, it's, it's somewhat unique. Speaking of coloring, like, how about that for yeah. some strong stuff? And and signing these pages. Yeah. You know, there's several of these. You'll see, I guess it's Dringenberg's signature on a few of these pages, and I, I kind of like that. We've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, Mobius signing his pages or Eddie Campbell signing his. I like that. Yeah. It just feels like these are artists that are, I don't know, much more confident and in control than in some of those mm-hmm. earlier issues. And this is getting into your convention uh, model, right? right? Guys sitting at the bar, BSing, uh, talking about panels and, and the layouts for the weekend. And it's the guy who talks big game, mm-hmm. who but who who has no stripes. Yeah, you know, has no stripes in the game, and and it, it's it's very clear to like sort of everybody. Yeah, involved. you can sniff them out easy easily. Yes, and uh, pumping up this magazine, chased. Yeah. Have you seen this magazine yet? <laughs> 
that's gonna that's gonna come back our film program i like the programming notes the yeah right because it's like (laughs) it's like all the stuff that could have gone into it for me because there's a by the numbers like this guy read that fucking john e douglas's mindhunter book because like it's clearly spelled out like what what it takes to be a serial killer. It's all the right stuff. You know, it's Manhunter. It's, that's a Hannibal Lecter flick before, before Silence yeah. of the Lambs, the the Michael Mann joint. You know what? Um, for Kayfabe Con, do this, like have a film festival that's based exactly <laughs> on this list. <laughs> I, 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 uh, if you remember in the in the 90s, there was um, the Iceman Killer. There was two specials on yes. HBO mm-hmm. where they just sat there and talked with the guy. I watched this thing on YouTube I'm subscribed to it. It's these behavior experts who watch mm-hmm. stuff and then they reverse engineer and, and, and tell you what they see. And they're like, this guy's fully bullshitting about mm-hmm. like uh, so much of it. They were able to pin like 10, 15 murders on the guy or whatever, but he's in prison. He's there for life. He's just popping. He's caveman himself. And, and, but I read the book also and in the book. So I guess what I'm saying is you got to take it with a grain of salt, yeah. but um, he was talking about, there were two or three times in his life, and he was tied with one other serial killer guy, a Mr. Frosty guy who had a ice cream truck. And he said that the, the guy would serve kids ice cream in a day and maybe kill their dad that night. Um, where it was almost nonverbal. There was a woman serial killer, and it was almost nonverbal and random that they found each other. Like, with the Mr. Frosty guy, he was in a urinal at a restaurant or something, and they looked at each other, and they just, they knew yeah, that's crazy. That they were killers, man. And and he met a woman, and they just, they knew that they were different. In the uh, in that, in that the Hannibal Lecter series of books, there's meetups of serial killers. And I think they meet in international waters on a yacht. Oh, that's so sick. But it's, you know, like that concept is out there, the idea that these killers identify with each other or, you know, connect in some way, have something in common that the rest of the world does not. <laughs> there's a panel where they're talking about how, like, you know, we're something different. There's people and they're cattle and we're awesome and everybody and I and That's that's your Corinthian I, uh State of the Union. I, I mean, I've been on panels where there was that kind of talk. Where yeah. I can't relate to people who don't make comics. <laughs> you know, we're special. <laughs> Nobody else knows this this is what life is and everybody else isn't living. Turns out Boogeyman's not who he claims to be. Yeah. And he's uh, he's gonna get his. They're, they they make the pact, you know, when all the serial killers show up, like don't shit where we eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the don't have anybody else in this in this hotel because don't want to tempt fate. It's kind of a cool storytelling thing to set up a rule and then break it. Yes. Know? Yeah. Exactly. And of course, once they expose him as being publisher of that Chase magazine that he's putting out there, well, they are gonna break the rule. How about that treatment right there? Mm-hmm. I like it. It's mentioned that because they had to bring this guy out to the woods in the car proper yeah why couldn't we just put him in a trunk i have a surprise in there so yeah, that pays off later something's that's in a yeah. trunk already yeah and it is jed but this color treatment is really sick it's like it's like here's like our last moment of humanity or something and then now we're in kill mode mm-hmm. literally seeing and red these great smiles with that backlighting and it's very uh it's very sexual the way they they sort of speak as they get into it where it's like taking turns mm-hmm. and that was fun yeah and here's here's our guy and why you can't have somebody uh, a civilian yeah, as part of it. He's it, like, how how old is this girl? And there's barely anybody on the dance floor and stuff. Yeah, that's the SPX prom. <laughs> and he when he's talking Funland, he's talking about like Disney World and how he's like a serial killer goes to Disney World and Disney helps him cover it up. This was like a, a real um, urban legend yeah. when I was a kid. And when I went to Disney World, 
they, pe people were telling my parents, okay, if you lose your kid, watch their shoes. Because when these, these people kidnap your kid, they, they, they cut their hair, they give them a different outfit, but they don't have the right size shoes. So your kid's going to have the same shoes. So, like this. So it's like, you know, this is, this was reality as far as I was concerned reading this when I was a kid bar talk with a couple of killers and are comparing numbers and the one guy's like i kill anybody and he's got a big number you know as a result and he's like i only have eight and he's like eight that's chicken shit and he's like i don't kill anyone I'm, i specialize i'm the connoisseur mm -hmm. yeah he's, he's got a very specific kink i could yes. make a ton of comics that are all shit or i could make my small body of work that's amazing you know that kind of talk totally his uh his specialty is pre-operative transsexuals um, it's that a, seems like in, in 1990, that's, that's a pretty that's, that's forward. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like he, he introduced a lot of that stuff to, to me as, as a kid growing up in, you know, suburban Pit, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we're done now with our, uh, killing, killing of that chased publisher. And, uh, they're kind of just glowing in yeah. the after mm -hmm. effect, yeah. you know, like you can see them in this relaxed state and, and they really enjoyed themselves. Here's our panel discussion. <laughs> and it is, you know, it's... Women and serial killing. Exactly. This is, this is 1990s. Every comic convention had one of these kinds of panels. Well, and she's saying well, stuff... Well, not, not the serial killing part. She's saying stuff to, like, piss off her panel mates. Have you ever seen that on a panel, too, where somebody's like, I'm not like these other, uh, you know, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and how to make it pay. You know, stuff. Here's, here's the famous page. Uh, there's no masturbation in the DC universe. How's that go? Well, because it's not in here, but initially it was that he would like masturbate in this. And he had to take that out because he was told there is no masturbation in the DC universe. And Neil Gaiman said, that explains a lot about the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a cool visual conceit, too, because we're talking about dismembering and killing and all this kind of stuff. So like the panel borders are like your cuts. There's a nice use of color, too. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. going to show off Rose and Some our zero killer's fixation on her. Zeroing in on her. Yeah, that's like family circus kind of thing. And and now he's fully demented. Like, he was kind of a big kind of doofus, but this is, like, such a threat. You curve the wolf. You curve the speed lines. You, you curve the door. So mm -hmm. you really feel the swoop of, of that door opening up. Yeah, the camera angle's real low. Is the wolf too much? Uh, like on the nose type shit? Yeah. Um, you know, know, like we've had the, the Big Bad Wolf story and now we're going to put it on his t-shirt. Yeah. It's a, it's. I mean, I, I pretty think literal. if uh, it was a Peg Leg Pete from Disney, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have like been Pete the drawing, move, you yeah. know, like he's talking about Funland and stuff. Mm -hmm. It would have been the move and I think that's probably kind of what they're thinking. I they just don't think didn't it's want, off as smoothly here. I would think they didn't want a lawsuit. So it's like, okay, you can't draw Peg Leg Pete. Well, even just making it more of a cartoon. Cartoon wolf, yeah. Generic cartoon language mm -hmm. wolf, I think would have worked. And uh, Gilbert had given her a piece of paper and said, only say this name if you really yeah. have to. So now we're bringing Beetlejuice right. into uh, the DC universe. Beetlejuice lived in a doll's house, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. So here he shows up. The Vortex has called his name, and he's come to the rescue. And she must have been, like, done, right? Like, he mm -hmm. brings her back to life. Right, and he, it says, like, he, he heals her wounds. So, yeah. And he's a weird fuck, because he's got to kill her. And here's your Corinthian address. Tom right <laughs> we are the American <laughs> dreamers <laughs> now um, so I love how so many of these guys are super passive-aggressive they're all like little like nebbish kind of guys and then like they're ready to just kill the human race you know yeah and Morpheus sitting in the audience and decides he's gonna come up and take the stage 
and and basically uh, deals with this whole group, right? Well, in some ways, yeah. Like he 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 takes because they're they're delusional, right? And, and they're, they're like in a dream in, in a dream in a dream state in order to like make what they do okay for themselves. So he just removes that from them. This is handled really uh, interestingly in the uh, in the TV show where Rose Walker is destroying the walls of the dreaming and it kind of dissipates dreams power a little bit. This sequence happens and it's actually a bad thing for Morpheus. So there's extra beats that, that come mm -hmm. into play and Rose Walker has to choose like, and she knows that, that the dreaming, like if she, goes with Morpheus's side that she's going to die in the end mm -hmm. or she could have everything she wants her friends her family all that stuff if she goes with the Corinthian and, and, and off's dream they really establish in a tv show like the strength of like what it means to be a vortex you see the dream mm -hmm. world starting to crumble at times and things like that so on that second pass for 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 that part of it it's done really well like you get no real stakes with the vortex you just know that it's a thing that has to be addressed but in the show you really you really get you, you, you see why it's important that that get taken care of. And you see what he's taken away is their dream. Their you dream, know, the yeah. dream is over. Yeah. You go from like, Corinthians saying, we're the dreamers, to uh, Morpheus saying it's over, and you'll know how little you mean. And like, like, welcome to the truth. This is like a repeated motif throughout this series, and it's in the Ramadan story, too, where he builds this like imaginary world that's so convincing, you think... It is the real world. You think this really is true, and then he takes it away at the end. You get disillusioned. Whenever, uh, you know, when, when people often compare Ghost Rider to Sandman, that pen and stare, it's the same thing. <laughs> 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 and we find Jed, Gilbert returns with, with uh, Rose's brother yeah. in a really bad state. Got to get him to the hospital. And here's... Here's the uh, serial killers just shuffling off. This yeah. is this is the drive home from Heroes Con. <laughs> we are fucking spent. We got nothing in the tank. You know? <laughs> and and they spend some time on that on the show too. You see everybody kind of shuffling out, and you see you know some people in a car like putting bullets in the gut, like about yeah. to off themselves, like all kinds of stuff. Uh, props for not doing a full moon. And there's a couple <laughs> of really good moon shots in this in this sequence. I may have missed a really good one earlier that we, was like a quarter moon. We saw this view. In the yes. beginning, when the house was established, yeah, it might have been chapter one, even like yeah. the very first page of the, of yeah. the dollhouse storyline. Yeah, same line. angle, everything. Just now, it's in silhouette. And her brother is still in the hospital. Yeah. She's kind of this like, not a ghost, but really struggling with this. I was kind of reading this like, is Jed gonna catch a break? Like, is he like I kind of forgot like how that story resolves? Is he gonna die in the hospital? You know, right. you know, and she can't sleep. And so, we get into everybody's dreams now. Yeah. Yes, Ken, Barbie, Zelda, Chantel, the whole crowd. Uh, so this is what Ken and and it's fun because you could you could profile somebody like and imagine what their dreams might it's be. Almost text language, you know, you're yeah. using numbers and single letters right. for words. Computers, yeah, you know. And so and, he's yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, he's he's in like a uh, like a, a music like the big time music video or something. You know, he's in in uh, Wall Street. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah, he's a Gordon Gecko like, character or, for sure. Or that like serial killer movie. Um, that, that American, book, American Psycho, yeah, totally. And then, and then we have, uh, or through the Looking Glass, she, she's in the Never Ending Story. And this stuff really appealed to me when I was, I was like, yeah, this like fantasy world she's this, living in. This was pretty cool, like when you watch the show, because like you see Martin Tenbones, and like <laughs> when you see this character again, he gets pulled out of the dream and is in like Times Square, and the mm -hmm. fucking cops just like, <laughs> so it's like, uh, I was watching this nice. with friends, and 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 they're like. Oh, he's so cute. Mm -hmm. He's so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. I hope, I hope there's a season two. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the luck dragon from NeverEnding Story. 
We have Chantel and Zelda having their dreams. Yeah, full Peter Nagel mm -hmm. with with uh, either Patrick. Zelda. Is it? I think so. Pa oh, yeah, I always think Peter Max, Patrick Nagel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really neat seeing these pairs because in the daylight, Ken and Barbie are indistinguishable. They're so, so, but then their dream world couldn't be more distant. And then these two, it's kind of similar. You know, it's like very different kinds of goth, I guess. I really love all the lettering too. Oh yeah. Uh, Todd Klein nails it in this. We've I, I've been critical of letters who try to do different lettering for characters, but it kind of looks the same. He gets some real variation and spacing and everything where it's like they're unique lettering. Yeah, he's the only guy allowed to do cursive in, in comics, man. <laughs> And how is like the stereotypical like Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli kind of uh, stage guy? And we go back to our uh, our three fates, right? right? Right. Yeah. And Rose still tossing and turning, not mm -hmm. not dreaming well, and and that's going to uh, give us some payoff here. And Gilbert going to the uh, hospital to visit Jed. Yeah, such a nice guy. Gonna see some of that, Matthew. Every, everybody's coming together is, is kind of what's adding up here. Ted McKeever asks some of these yeah, little, absolutely. little panels. Absolutely. And just look at the methods and materials. Mm -hmm. Like like a lot of Xeroxes in maybe like a 5 to 10% reduction on each one as you're pasting it up. Yeah, amazing for a page effect. And I wonder if at one point you can um, copy five. Uh -huh. But but, but yeah. I, I, I just don't know. I don't think so. And it's then, funny. I do that digitally. Yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. just select five layers and copy them. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like you got to build up a couple and then you get it and then you could do that. Um, and then just another set of mark making with, I, I believe, ink Xerox. wash. Oh. I was thinking Xerox with some of this, the grays and stuff. Well, yeah, you could, you, when you paste it up, when you're done with <clears> it, it could, it could be that. I love the hairline on there. Mm. And now you this get is different great. Arts. Yeah, another piece of like we're getting into our dollhouse motif mm -hmm. where you're almost cross-sectioning. And that's a that uh, John Tennille like classic through the looking glass, yeah. you know, public domain imagery from 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 the Lewis Carroll book, Nagel, your McKeever joint. This is like P. Craig Russellish type type deal. And then like I don't know how you would describe that, but then this is like. That public domain clip art, right, clip yeah. art that you could just use. This was the part that I thought might have been like a bucket of paint stirred. <laughs> yeah, with with like that that Bill Sienkiewicz bleach and shit, like doing mm -hmm. weird chemical reactions to the stuff. You could literally see pigment in here. I think I can't tell what's going on. And these are clearly pasted up. Yes. Yeah, and an it's more or something. of, you know, turn the books around as you're reading, mm -hmm. as you're kind of descending into this dream world, it, into this vortex. vortex. Mm -hmm. Right. And this, like, resolution of the story, it's good. It works. But, like, the meat of this comic is all, like, the height of this comic's already happened, as far as I'm concerned, like, in this, in this book. You know, this is, like, a nice way to tie it up, but, like, the best is behind us. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like this is almost set up for the future. Mm hmm Yeah, and it's so funny because, like, I... The first, say, five books, I've read a lot of times. And I feel like the last batch, I read maybe two times a piece. Mm -hmm. So I don't quite remember all of that. I feel like over time, like, we'll probably put these under the microscope, you know, one, one by one, uh, eventually. And we're here with Rose's mom and grandmother, the grandmother being on the verge of uh, death. And that is Unity Kincaid from, from issue one of Sandman. Mm -hmm. So pretty much Rose's face is, you know, being taken off for her fate. Got to close this vortex, and that means uh, ending her life. Yeah, there's young Jed in the ICU. And Gil Matthew's here to retrieve our uh, Gilbert to be revealed as uh, Fiddler Green. 
He's ready to go. Still honorable, classy figure. Mm -hmm. Got the dream issue. Takes place almost exclusively in Slumberland. And it's pretty barren, you know? Just te terrain. Yeah. Because you I need to like lose green back. Stuff. Like young hands, hands is part of the landscape. Good hands throughout here. Several uh, several versions of these hands that I'm impressed by. Get lots and lots of explanations of vortexes and things. And to the point where the girl's like, listen, if you're going to do something, do it. Like, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> bored listening to you. So if you're going to kill me, kill me. Yeah, Morpheus seems, I don't know, man. He drags it on. That's that thing, like, the, the that's, this is where the Hobgadling story, I feel like, like fits into the the overall comic is is this set of interactions here this this issue in, in specific i mentioned about five hours ago when we started this episode <laughs> the handling of the robe and i feel like that's the inking that i was talking about yeah. as being like kind of an interesting if, if there's some you're trying to make this be alive in some mm -hmm. way i feel like some of those marks are pretty good for that yeah bits of paper coming through and wild mark making you know like we haven't seen a lot of stuff like that yeah up to this point and Fiddler Green transitions back into the the land the the land. Good, yeah, he's like good, Mogo. Good good three panel sequence right there, man. And we figured out an out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bring in Unity. Yeah, she already she just died, so she passed the threshold. She and was supposed to be the vortex, but it got skipped over because he because Dream was gone. Right. And she wasn't. She was inseminated by. By dreams, man. Like she was disseminated in the dream world. And again, a callback to our our uh, the heart. Yeah. The heart of glass is that is that Debbie Harry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say there's some Debbie Harry references here, but it's a different comic we're talking about today. I like that handling that idea of this is a dream, so figure it out. Do, totally. do some stuff that's that you couldn't do whenever you're awake. Indiana Did Jones and the Temple of Doom was only a couple years prior to this. So. <laughs> Yeah, it may have had more impact if I hadn't seen uh, Temple of Doom <laughs> at a young age. And that's it, right? Rose I, wakes up. I mean, th this is probably has to be a conversation in DC editorial, right? <laughs> like, there were cover issues. Man, you hope not. I, I, I just, I have a feeling, you know, like, there were cover issues where they had to change artwork and things. Cover's different. That's true. And we return to our typing motif, so we're going to get the inside scoop from Rose herself. Yeah, and she's, this is... uh, They inherited a lot of money, the family, bought a house by her, uh, where her mother grew up, I think outside Seattle or Portland, and uh, she's been locked in her room pretty much away from humanity. Another doll's house. And we get tied back into volume one, where it's like, she's a friend of the girl that was in the diner. She was she on the phone. Like, so when, she, that, okay, yeah. when that girl in the diner was on the phone, like, this is who was being talked to. And there are your guys who ended up toast from the John D incident. I'll have to reread that issue because, like, my yeah. recollection is that she was just talking to her girlfriend. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, there's, like, somebody else she's talking to, and that's, that's Rose. Yeah, it's one of those you wonder, like, is that something... Neil Gaiman like retcons sure in this mm -hmm, maybe six issues later or... I, I think there was a part in that in that sequence where uh the girl in the diner is like you know put so-and-so my okay. girlfriend on yeah got and it. that would be the argument for her talking to and our girl Rose finally I thought we were going to get out of this story without this finally Jed gets to live happily ever after you know yeah. like on the final page you know but pretty much the final page and it's a brother sister moment 
yes, I'd love to see the Fox Den, and it becomes uh, Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Batman Year One, <laughs> and and he gets to maybe have a version of that kind of fun fantasy world that he was living out in his head to deal with, you know, his reality. I think this is the same pose as uh, the connoisseur. Whenever we're hearing the uh, the connoisseur, and it's like a half page splash. I think it's the same. Oh, you're same, right, uh, dude. Reference. You're right, and that makes that makes so much sense because of the androgyny of mm-hmm. of this character. It would be cool for the connoisseur to cross paths with desire and and like get get fucked up, like have the tables <laughs> turned on him. And this is Morpheus really giving it to her, like uh, or, or to them, like. Sets up more don't, of the lore. Don't mess, don't mess with that. We're not here. We, we, don't, we don't run these people. Like We're here to serve them, if anything. And, and, They're not and, our toys. And, and very importantly, Desire was trying to coax Morpheus into killing one of their own kind, which would set all kinds of stuff in motion. And that, that, that's a very important piece uh-huh. for you know, the, the, the back half of yeah. uh, the, the Sandman series. Yeah, it pays off in a big way. You're right about the Nagel references, though. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's really cool. I thought of that a little bit whenever I was reading it, but hearing you say it out loud, like every, every depiction of Desire pretty much fits that. Yeah. Yeah, and all, all the Nagel imagery, it's all, like those 80s power suit ladies, like, like, yeah. the, like the stepmom in uh, Hellraiser. You know, big-ass <laughs> shoulder pad suits, Pander Brothers hair. Malcolm Jones wants to thank Randy DeBurke. Interesting artist for anybody who wants to look him up. Did uh, did a run on um, Action Comics whenever it was weekly. Oh, right. And uh, oh, he's Black Canary. And it's really kind of cool yeah. artwork. If you're into, I don't know, Ben Mara is probably the way I got to it. But doesn't do a ton of stuff. Um, but that's stuff I would recommend if you're, like I said, if you're a fan of theirs. So maybe, maybe they all work together in New York and went to school together or something like that. That's a big one, man. Strong yeah. comic, man. Lots of uh, structure to it. Mm-hmm. You know, a structured comic book that came out on a monthly basis. Believe it or not, it happened. K Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, what's out there? It is time to pre-order the Hulk Grand Design uh, Oversized Treasury Edition. That has been pushed back to January, but that's good. It just means we can uh, sell more of those right now in the build-up to it. So pre-order that from your local comic shop or wherever you buy books. It is a giant oversized book. Um, put a lot of my life into that over the last couple of years. So pick that up. And Street Angel Deadly Girl Live is back in print from Image Comics after almost a year. You can pick that up wherever you get books too. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug. And... Uh... You can check out Sandman creator Jack Kirby. Uh, learn all about him in Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. And, uh, you know, read uh, Marvel's answer to Watchmen with Fantastic Four Grand Design. What are you laughing at? <laughs> and, uh, you know, s- still out there. Check it out. I'm, I'm super proud of it, of both of these works. And uh, check out my YouTube channel, Total Recall Show. We're going to start new episodes in October. Red Room Trigger Warnings and Red Room, the Antisocial Network. Trade paperbacks are in stores right now. Murder on the dark web for fun and profit. Each book completely self-contained, but they certainly work uh, tidily together, man. If you scoop both up, give them a shot. You can hit up my Patreon to read f- uh, future Red Room comics as well as this current stuff. Three bucks to get you the archive there. Put up new strips every Tuesday. Hit up my link tree in the description. You'll be able to get to all that stuff. Jimmy, what else do we have out there, man? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.